0: what's up divers welcome into the deep dive fantasy football podcast i'm just going to start off by saying you guys are probably wondering what is deep dive unhinged well i am basically going to name all of my podcast episodes unhinged that just come out randomly you'll never know when to expect them you'll never know what they're going to be about and they're going to come out at random times it's like a bonus podcast episode maybe i'll have one once a week maybe i'll have one once a month we'll see how it goes but it's basically me talking to you guys about whatever I want to talk about. I also take some questions. And like I said, it's going to be posted at random times, on random days. And that's what the Unhinged podcast is. So it's not going to be a structured, normal, like routine, you know, fantasy session like we usually have on Tuesdays and Thursdays. It's going to be a little bit different. And so to start out this podcast, something I've been really wanting to talk about is Corona Crisis Control. First off, is it a crisis? Is this the corona crisis? Oh, the NFL, we're screwed. Or it's corona control, man. Just get under wraps and we're fine. And obviously, with everything that we just saw with the Titans, the whole Titans debacle, which we will get into in a bit, I just wanted to talk about options that people are throwing out there via the Twitterverse, via, you know, just articles on websites all around for, for like beat writer teams and just you know all the like like everybody is talking about this kind of stuff i wanted to kind of say why i don't really like any of the options that i've seen and what i think should be happening so first off there is no way no way the nfl can have forfeits it's it's there's so many problems with it first off if you have a forfeit who gets paid do the players on the team that you made forfeit do they get paid does the team that they were going to play against get paid because players get paid in the nfl by the game so you're already starting a problem right there with nfl pa that's going to go that's going to be a war that's going to go back and forth that's going to be like horrible that's the first thing second if you're doing forfeits what infractions deserve forfeiture right if okay so the titans you make them forfeit because you shut down their facility after a lot of positive tests and they still decided to, you know, basically try and get around your like act of shutting them down and held practice at a high school field, despite being told to, you know, not see each other. So Corona doesn't spread all that stuff. So you decide to make them forfeit. So what are the other infractions? Where's the line going to be at for what people do against the rule and what, you know, what, causes them to to have to forfeit a game and what causes them to not have to forfeit a game that's way too messy you're gonna have to get fine details into everything that's just ridiculous that's way too much all right and then also if you're doing forfeits you're not just affecting the team that's forfeiting you're affecting the team that they're playing against you're giving unearned wins in the nfl that is a season of only 16 games you are giving unearned wins to teams because the person they are playing happened to be super irresponsible and stupid. Like, matter of fact. Like, just straight up. That's just stupid. Like, what the Titans did was stupid. Look, I understand that you're trying to win games and you need to practice and everything, but it's just it's just dumb. Like, I don't even know what else to say that the Titans did. Like, it's just, it's just stupid. But th- those are the problems with forfeits. Who gets paid? What infractions deserve forfeiture? You'd have to spell that out. You're giving unearned wins to teams, and that affects the playoffs massively. Right now, let's say the Titans had to forfeit the game versus the Bills. The Bills are undefeated, undefeated, and you're going to give them a free win versus a team that personally, I think, if everyone was healthy and people didn't have to miss the game because of COVID and you had the full teams versus each other in a Titans-Bills matchup, I think the Titans match up well with the Bills, and I think, and the Titans are off. All- Sorry, excuse me. The Titans are also undefeated. So now you're giving them their first loss. It's just you cannot do that in a 16-game season. You cannot have forfeits. That's the first thing that I have a problem with. The second thing I have a problem with, you can't just remove a game. You should not remove a game. You cannot do forfeits, and you should not remove games. You can't just say, okay, Bills, Titans, we're not going to give you a forfeit and give the Bills a free win but you know we're having scheduling problems or whatever the case may be this game is not going to count you guys are going to have 15 game seasons uneven records will make things way more complicated not only that but teams can one escape tough matchups or escape easy matchups what if you have for example i'll go to my division the bucks and saints we're probably going to be neck and neck all season fighting for the lead in the division what if the bucks are playing a bad team we're going to play like the Cincinnati Bengals, right? Everyone can write that into the win column. And we're going to play the Cincinnati Bengals. And all of a sudden, the Cincinnati Bengals have what just happened to the Titans happen to them. And that game gets canceled. It doesn't count as a forfeit. And now the Bucks only have 15 games on their season. What if that win would have put them as the division winner? Because, you know, how the percentage like win percentage works. If, you know, the Saints, let's say we're, I don't know. 11 and 5, and we end up 10 and 5, and we have the tiebreak on the Saints. If we play that game and won that game, we would have the division lead. You cannot do that. You cannot take away wins. Or also, on the other side of the, the coin, if the Bucks win the division and we had a game versus the Packers, who, who would probably beat us canceled or something along those lines. Like, you cannot do that. There has to be it has to be an even playing field. Everyone needs to play sixteen games. Everyone needs to play the games and not have them be forfeits. And you need to figure this out. And my solution to this, I don't see the problem with it, and I think it's very easy. And I want you guys to hear me out. You extend the season one or two weeks, preferably two, and you add bye weeks to every single team. You extend the season by two weeks. You give every single NFL team two extra bye weeks so now every team is working with three bye weeks on the season here is how it helps everyone number one the nfl gets helped because think about how the nfl is making all their money right now all of their money is coming from tv viewership and commercials and partnerships and all of this that's where they're getting their money from if you add two more weeks to the season yes it's the same amount of games but you have two more full weeks of airing NFL football games with people watching, you're making more money. Okay. So the NFL will make more money. It benefits them. All the players will still get to play 16 games. So they will not have their money tampered with. It benefits them. Not only that, but if the NFL is extended to two weeks into the season, Or extend the season by two weeks and they make more money, that also will help the cap be higher next year because they're saying the cap is going to be affected next year based on how much money they lose out on from this year. If they make more money, the cap is going to be higher, which also benefits the NFL players. That's the second thing, or third thing, I guess. Then, an injury plagued season. This season has been atrocious with injuries and it keeps on going, and a lot of people are thinking it's because of the lack of preseason. In this injury plague season, every team gets two more weeks interspersed throughout their season to rest players. That is good for everyone. Nobody can complain about that. And lastly, you can use the bye weeks to flex games when needed for corona control. If, you know, for example, this Bills-Titans. The Titans already had their Steelers game flexed and their bye week moved up. Now they don't have another bye week. If you extend the season two weeks... And give everyone two more bye weeks. Now you have another bye week to work with with that game. You could flex it if you wanted to. If you needed to, you could flex the game, okay? And it's really, it's not that difficult. Like, I don't understand why the NFL doesn't implement this. It helps them make more money. It helps the players make more money. The salary cap could be higher next year. And people would have more time to rest. And injuries wouldn't hurt teams as much. And then you have the flexibility of the bye weeks for any time you need to flex something and now we're going to move into what started this conversation for me which is the titans the titans should not have to forfeit what i think should happen see a lot of people are saying forfeit make them forfeit that's their punishment okay what did the bills do to deserve a free win and they're undefeated it makes no sense to me you find the players that violated the rules okay find the players that violated the rules find the personnel that violated the rules do not touch team draft picks. That is so excessive. So excessive. This is the first season that we have ever seen anything like this. And you're going to take away draft picks from teams? It's so excessive to me. Because that's affecting so much more than one game. That's affecting so much more than this season. That's affecting their entire future. Because as we know, one draft pick that's a hit could be a Hall of Famer. It could be somebody that's in your organization for eight years, 10 years. It could be such a difference in the direction of your team. You cannot just take away draft picks like it's nothing. Also, you could make, and this is what I think they should do to the Titans, because of the fact that the Titans, so this is the difference. The Titans went around the rules, and that's part of the reason why they have so many positive tests, because they went against what they were supposed to do. So you find the players and the personnel like I said, don't touch the team draft picks. Don't make it a forfeit. Make the Titans play the game as scheduled versus the Bills with everyone that tests negative for Corona. If they need to pull up a whole bunch of people from their practice squad to start as either starters or first string backups in the game, that's their fault. That's their form of punishment. You are punishing them in that way by taking away. All of the people that they just lost because of Corona and making them still play that game. Okay, future teams with lots of positive tests, however, but if they didn't do something against the rules, they shouldn't have to be put in that situation because like I just said, that's like a punishment. You shouldn't be put forced into the situation just because Corona took out a bunch of your players. If you've been doing everything you're supposed to be doing, you should not be punished in that way by making yourself replace all those players. Those are the teams those are the ones that you use the bye weeks to flex the games, okay? That's the solution. No forfeits, no removal of games, just extend the season and add extra bye weeks It helps everybody. Now, to get to some questions, because that was the main thing I wanted to talk about, and now I got a bunch of questions from you guys. Here's the first question. Will the Titans, and I put it first because it rolls right off of what we were just talking about, will the Titans play, and should I gamble on Derrick Henry playing or not? First off, Derrick Henry, I think he's worth the risk, but you should not have to risk it. Your league commissioner should have implemented a replacement player strategy, and if they did not, bring it up to them. You can even play back or screen record this part of the podcast I'm about to say and send it to them. This is very simple. For any players that are in question because their game might be postponed, managers play the player in their lineup, and before games start on Sunday, announce to the league who they want in that player's place if the game gets postponed. Super simple example. In all my leagues, I have someone say who they're starting in the game that might get postponed and who the replacement is. So, for example, Derrick Henry... Dot, dot, dot. Replacement is Jarek McKinnon. So guess what? If Sunday rolls around, the Titans are on track to play. It looks like Derrick Henry is going to play. Jarek McKinnon plays. He's on your bench. Then we get to Monday and all of a sudden, oh, Titans game is canceled. And now you don't have anybody to put in for Derrick Henry. Well, you do because you announced previously that if that game gets canceled, McKinnon will go in and the commissioner manually makes the switch. It's very simple. Very, very simple. That's So you shouldn't have to risk it. That's what I'm, (coughs) that's what I'm saying. Sorry. Um, The commissioner should just, it's an easy switch. Like I'm a commissioner of like five or six leagues that are like money leagues and whatnot. And it doesn't take any time at all to do that. Secondly, in the initial wave of players, Derrick Henry was not listed in like the six to eight players that initially had it for Tennessee. He was not listed in that list, but then I'm not really sure if he's one of the ones currently in their group of like 20-plus people. And lastly, I do think the Titans play. Next question from Morgan Reiney. That first question was from Gulf Coast Pigskin. Morgan Reiney, why should and why shouldn't people be hyped on picking up Robert Tanyan Green Bay tight end? And what makes this different, different from the James Robinson hype from week two? All right, so let's get into it why they should. That was the first part of your question, because I'm going to take it as when you say why, why should they and why shouldn't they, you want both sides, right? So we're going to play some devil's advocate. Why they should be buying into the hype on Robert Tanyan? Okay, well, Robert Tanyan has been great so far. He's gone for double digits in all three of his weeks, which have been three weeks straight. He's in his third year, which is commonly cited as the tight end breakout, and he plays in a great offense with a great quarterback and has great scoring opportunities. Now, why shouldn't they buy into it? He has only averaged 4.8 targets per game. Also, that has been with no Devontae Adams and no Alan Lazard last week. He has produced because of touchdowns. He has five touchdowns in three games. Definitely unsustainable, just like his 93% catch rate. So what's the verdict? For me, the verdict is I don't buy it. I don't buy it because Robert Tanyan is not getting the targets to be reliable already. And once Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard come back, he definitely is not going to get the targets that he needs to be reliable. That's not going to change. His touchdowns and efficiency, both, will come down. He has five touchdowns right now on 13 receptions. He also has 13 receptions on 14 targets. Both of those things are massively unsustainable, and they will come down. This is different from James Robinson, though, because James Robinson was efficient, yes. But... He had massive amounts of volume, and that is what Robert Tonyan lacks. So that's the difference. And this one, I love this question. J Sports Network, thank you so much for this question. I am going to get very deep into this. Who would you start at quarterback in Miami? I would start Tua, and I would do it after this 49ers game. Let me tell you why. I have changed my tune from the offseason. Initially, I was saying sit Tua for the year. Start fits, you don't want Tua to get killed, let him learn the ropes, learn the offense, all of this. This is why I have changed my tune. Actually, there's so many reasons, and that's why I really appreciate this question, because I really am going to have fun with this one. So, the offensive line was the biggest reason that I said you need to sit Tua, start fits the whole year. They had three new starters on the offensive line. They also have three rookies in their offensive line. I think, I believe, two are starters, and one is a backup, but he plays a lot. And I did not see that offensive line gelling at all. Like at the beginning of the season, I thought they were going to get killed. They were going to get beat everywhere because one of the biggest things on the offensive line is chemistry. And you also were missing the offseason, the normal offseason to be able to build the chemistry with the offensive line. So I thought that was going to be a huge liability. Well, as I initially thought, it would take a long time for them to get, you know, gelled and get good chemistry going. It didn't. It didn't at all. They're, they're not bad at all. They've only allowed six sacks through four games. That's pretty good. That's pretty, pretty good. That's not even two sacks a game. The Dolphins also. So first off, the offensive line, it's not nearly as bad as I thought. Two is not going to get killed behind the offensive line if you bring him in. So that's the first thing. And I do it after this 49er game because this 49er game is going to be rough and ugly. You don't want the, that to be the first game that you bring in a rookie. Only six or sorry, I already said that. I was going to say the six sacks aloud again. The the Dolphins, they may end up in range to draft a quarterback next year. So they need to see what they have with Tua now. Here's the thing. The biggest position in all of sports, in any sport, is the quarterback position. We all know this. Tua Tagovailoa was somebody heralded as a great quarterback, a franchise-changing quarterback. We all know this as well. But... We have not seen it in the NFL yet. And so many times we have all this hype around a quarterback and he ends up not being what we expected in the NFL. We always have busts at the top of the first round at the quarterback position, just like any other position. It's the hit rate on quarterback is not any better than any other position, at least not to my knowledge. So you want to see Tua play. You want to be confident in Tua. You want to see how is Tua with Devontae Parker? How is Tua with Preston Williams? How does Tua utilize his running backs? What are his tendencies to the tight end position? All of these things, you want to see them now. While you you know, while you have him, right now, see what you have. Because here's the thing they have two picks in the first round that are both probably going to be top ten. And you know who this class has? Trevor Lawrence probably the Most highly coveted quarterback coming out of college in a draft in the last – since Andrew Luck, actually. So I don't even know how long that is. What is that, like seven, six, seven years? He is – like everyone is drooling over Trevor Lawrence. If the Dolphins end up in a position, either with their pick, their first-round pick, or the first-round pick that they got from Houston, which, by the way, is 0-4, if either of those picks end up in range or they could combine those picks to get Trevor Lawrence – you cannot pass that up unless you know 100% Tua is your guy. And how do you know that if you don't play him this year? You don't. You don't. Plain and simple. And then you're sitting there with, okay, we have Tua. We haven't played him. We have these two first-round picks. Do we pass up the chance to get this the best quarterback that anyone has seen coming out of college in how long? Or do we use the two picks and, then, and trade Tua and get picks for Tua, whatever we can get? Or do we use those picks to build around Tua and hope, hope that he's good because we didn't play him at all last year, like idiots, and we have no idea what we have? That's the problem. That's why you need to play Tua now. Also, I kind of highlighted this already, but to dive deeper into it, if you start Tua now, this season, it'll help show the value of other guys on the team. For example, DJ Chark, who's that guy? Until Gardner Minshew showed up. Gardner Minshew showed up. He was an upgrade at the quarterback position. Now you can see what DJ Chark has, right? You can see, oh, DJ Chark's actually a good guy. He's actually somebody that we can build our offense with or build our offense around. Well, here's the thing: you surround a, you you put a good quarterback with players, you'll find out who the good players are. If you have horrible players, then you'll know it because the good quarterback will make it obvious. When he's doing good things, he's doing the right things, making the right decisions, and things aren't coming together, then you have a problem somewhere else. But if you have a bad quarterback, who knows it? What if the receivers are always doing what they're supposed to be doing and they just need a competent quarterback? Tua is a competent quarterback, at least I believe so. And either you start him, you find out he's not, and then you're taking a different quarterback, or you start him, find out he is, and then you can see the value of everyone else on your team. Do we need to re sign Devontae Parker? How good is Devontae Parker? What kind of receiver do we need as our wide receiver too? Or is Preston Williams our wide receiver too? Has he been sucking because Fitzpatrick is not the greatest? Or is he really just not that great and he was lightning in a bottle in his rookie season? You can find that out when you put Tua in. How good is Gasicki? Really. How good is Miles Gaskin? Does Tua utilize Miles Gaskin in a way that will make him valuable to us? And should we also be looking for another running back? Should we like how does our offense change? There's so many things. It'll help you make personnel decisions, and depending on the adjustments through the year as you figure out the type of offense that you want to run with Tua, look, everyone always has, you can look at Cliff Kingsbury with Kyler Murray. Everyone has this idea of an offense that they want to run with a quarterback and the type of quarterback that that person is, but it doesn't necessarily always work out, and a lot of times you'll do a lot of adjustments. Cliff Kingsbury did that. After like week four and Kyler Murray's rookie season, the offense completely changed, how do, you, how do you know you're not going to do that with Tua? You don't want to build players and sign, sign players in free agency and draft players around this idea of what you think is going to be good a good offense for Tua to run if you haven't actually seen Tua run the offense. And I don't care about practice. I'm talking real game reps. That's what you need to see. So that's really going to help as well. This is why you need to play Tua this year. Also, you get your fan base excited. That's a good plus. And I honestly believe the Miami Dolphins, they're a team, them and the Bengals, I always love the underdogs, I love the teams that are trying to rebuild, get out of the trenches, mainly because I'm a Bucks fan, and since I've been watching football, the Bucs have always sucked, I've never seen my team get to the playoffs, hopefully that changes this year, which by the way, last night's loss completely killed me, I could not sleep until like 3 in the morning, maybe almost 4 in the morning, because I could not get the loss off my mind, and I was just twiddling, twiddling my thumbs. This is part of the reason why I'm doing this podcast, actually, is because I cannot stop thinking about the Bucks' loss. It's pissing me off. and um, Because we should not have lost that game versus the Bears. And, yeah, so I relate. And that's why I'm rooting for the Dolphins and the Bengals, and I'm paying close to attention to them. So... Um, man, I kind of lost my train of thought. Give me, (laughs) give me one second. Oh yeah. So you want to get your fan base excited. And yes, here we are. The Miami Dolphins are on a short turn of a rebuild. Okay. Now is the time to strike. I really like what Miami has built so far. And I really liked their draft class from this season, actually from the 2020 NFL draft. And like I said, they have two first rounders, theirs and Houston. Houston is 0-4 right now. Who knows how they're going to finish, but it's probably not going to be Amazing. I wouldn't be surprised if their pick is between like 8 and 12. So you might have two top 10 first-round picks and two top 10 second-round picks because they also have Houston's second. So that's likely four top 40 40 NFL draft picks. This goes all the way back to making sure Tua is the guy. Because when you have that kind of ammo, if you opt for taking... Trevor Lawrence, that's fine. Tua will still bring good trade value. You can get some picks back that way and then build your team around Trevor Lawrence. And if not, then you have those picks to build around Tua because you started Tua and you know what you have. Also, Tua's trade value will be way higher if you play him this year and he shows flashes of anything because of, you know, he was just drafted in the first round and he he's not going to look anything like Dwayne Haskins, so he's not going to just lose value like Dwayne Haskins has. Patriots are on a downturn right now jets are ass the bills are your only competition next year the patriots are competition this year but we're not talking about this year we're talking about next year how everything how starting tua this year affects next year right the patriots cam newton is on a one-year deal he might be gone their defense is expensive their cap is strapped. They don't have much cap space to do much of anything. They have no offensive weapons other than Nikhil Harry, pretty much. And he's not even as good as we thought he was going to be. Julian Edelman is almost done with his career. Wouldn't be surprised if he retires. So that offense is going to be nothing. And their defense is expensive. They don't have cap space to really improve their team. And they haven't been the best at drafting, actually. Like Belichick is amazing in everything that he does. But his draft record is not as good as you would think if you're just thinking, oh, Bill Belichick is good at everything. He's probably a great drafter. It's really not that great. You look at just his first rounders. We didn't get to see much of his offensive lineman first rounder. I believe it was a tackle. I don't remember his name at the moment, but he got hurt uh, rookie season. And I'm not really sure how he's doing right now, but Nikhil Harry has not looked great. Sonny Michelle seems to be a bust, and they took that risk for no reason with his knee when there were plenty of other running backs nick chubb being one of them that went right after they took sony michelle and you just go back you look at all of the offensive picks that belichick has made especially like wide receivers that they're struggling there so the patriots i think are at the end their dynasty is over this year is kind of just like a, a run it back you know we put together what we can and we'll see if we can win this year but then after that it's over I really believe that, that it is over for the Patriots. So they're out. And then the Jets, we don't even have to talk about how bad the Jets are. So that's your division. It's you and the Bills. It's plain and simple. It's you and the Bills. And anytime you can get on the top of the division where it's just you and one other team competing, you do it. And I think that Dolphins have the start of a perfect rebuild to do so as soon as next year. Truly. Now let's go ahead and look into why I believe that. Their offensive line is set for the future. They, I believe they drafted three rookies in this class on the offensive line, and the guy that they drafted super late, Solomon Kindley, is looking amazing. Amazing. And, um, oh my goodness, why can I not think of his name right now? Uh, Austin something. Austin something. The the guard that they drafted high in the first or second round, he's really good. He got placed on IR, so we don't even get to see him. They also signed Robert Hunt or, you know, they they have so many good people. Trust me. Like I, I'm missing names right now, just because I haven't, it's been a while since the draft has ended. Um, but I have paid attention to their team and I really believe that their offensive line is set for the future. They have a lot of young guys. They have a lot of new guys. They're all gelling. They haven't been horrible to start this year and they're only going to get better. And I liked all of the draft picks that they made at the offensive line position. And Kinley, the guy who I was like kind of iffy about, and, you know, it's part of the reason why he was such a late pick because nobody really expected him to be as good as he is, is great. And when you hit on a late pick like that, it makes your draft class even like so much better. It's ridiculous. So their offensive line is set. I like their offensive line a lot. I actually like the running back room. I'm not somebody that thinks that they need Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara or... Ezekiel Elliott. They don't need you. Don't need a guy like that. It it definitely helps, and I love when those when I see those guys get paid. But you do not need that. And right now, between Miles Gaskin and Matt Breda, I think that's a solid room. I really, really believe so. And I don't think that's a position position they need to touch. At least not with one of the four top forty picks that they're likely to have. Devontae Parker needs help. So you know, you look at the the receiver position. That's probably a position that they need help. But so far, I really like the offensive line. I like the running back room and the quarterback room, whether they start Tua this year and he looks good or they decide to pivot to a different quarterback. Probably Trevor Lawrence is the only one they would pivot off of Tua for. Either way, I'm going to end up loving their quarterback. So I like the quarterback, like the offensive line, like the running back room, then the wide receiver room needs a little bit of help. Preston Williams, he's kind of disappeared this season. But if you start Tua now, you could see if Preston Williams can actually still be your two because that's what a lot of us believe. We thought Parker and Preston were going to be a really good one and two and Preston has not shown up to this point. But if you start Tua and he ends up doing good with Preston, all right, maybe we're just looking for a wide receiver three. Maybe we're looking for somebody who will stretch the field with Parker and Preston, both big guys, good possession receivers. We just need someone in the slot with some speed, right? It'll help them determine what they want to be drafting because that is a position I think that they should target in the draft as wide receiver. They have a good young secondary. Byron Jones is great. Xavier Xavier How- Howard is great. Noah Igbenigini, oh yes, I nailed that. Noah Igbenigini, ooh, did it again. Let's go. Nobody can say that name, so I'm proud of myself. Um, he's also great. Those are their first three corners. Bobby McCain and Eric Rowe are fine at safeties. So I, I like their secondary. Like they could throw another pick at like at the safety position if they want to, but they don't need to. I think it's pretty good right now. So you use the four top 40 picks, in my opinion, to address the linebacker position, which they still have some good names there, Kyle Mannoy being one of them, the D-line position, they also have one or two good names there, Christian Wilkins is still really young, and he could end up being really good, and wide receiver, linebacker, D-line, wide receiver, if you want to throw a pick at offensive tackle or something, because you can really never have enough good O-linemen, go for it. And D-linemen, you can never have enough of. So I still think they need help at the D-line. Even if they didn't, that's a good place to always put picks into. So linebacker, D-line, wide receiver, that's where you spend your picks. If you hit on those picks, and then Tua or whatever quarterback you replace Tua with, so it's definitely going to be Tua or Trevor. There's no way they move off of Tua for like Justin Fields or Trey Lance. I do not envision that happening. If they jump off of the Tua train it has to be for Trevor Lawrence so Tua or Trevor one of them is on Miami Dolphin next year 100% and I still think it's going to be Tua but I'm just saying you know if for some reason they start Tua and they don't they're not happy with him and they have an easy shot at getting Trevor they're not far out from that pick and they want to just make the switch like the Cardinals did from Rosen to Kyler then they might go for it but either way I like quarterback I like the O-line I like the running back room Devontae Parker's a good start for wide receiver maybe Preston Williams is something You just hit on linebacker, wide receiver, D-line, dude, you're a playoff contender. You are a playoff contender. That offensive line is going to develop and get better. If you start to win now, he's going to have enough game reps and experience to be much better and more improved next year. Next year won't be his rookie season. If you don't play him this year at all, next year is his rookie season. And a rookie is probably, excuse me, a rookie is probably not leading your team to the playoffs in his first year like I don't care it's his second year he's a rookie he's not gonna be Patrick Mahomes okay so ultimately you have all of these things built out you just need to figure out the most important position in football and I think you have it figured out because I think is gonna be good but you never know until you see it so you got to throw out Tua that's why you start him I know that was a long rant and if you're not a Dolphins fan and you're not an NFL fan and you're just a fan of your team and fantasy maybe you didn't like it and that's part of what deep dive unhinged is i'm unhinged i am not attached to anything i will talk about whatever i want to talk about so if you're only here for the fantasy stuff and you don't like the stuff i've been talking about to this point then the unhinged podcast episode is not for you that's fine no worries don't worry about it but you know as much as i love talking fantasy i also love talking about football just nfl football baby and that's what that whole dolphins breakdown was and i love it now let's get to another question Mr. Anderson, he says, or asks, pick up Evan Ingram and drop either Tyler Higby or Robert Tanyan. So he's asking if he should do that. And then he says, Evan Ingram has a great schedule moving forward. So first off, I would see because of how good of a day Tanyan just had versus the Falcons, I would see if you can add Robert Tanyan and another player on your team for an upgrade at either the tight end or somewhere else. Anytime you can pull off a two for one in fantasy football, it's usually really good for you. So I would love a two for one. And if not, if you can't pull that off, then yes, I would drop Robert Tanyan for Evan Ingram. The jury's out on Higby. The whole Rams offense has been a mess. Higby and Cooper Cup are going to hurt each other. And until, like, the Rams figure out their offense, and hopefully Akers will help them do so, because I still believe Cam Akers is the running back to own there. I think it's just going to take a little bit of time. And then he will break out soon enough, hopefully within, like, the next three to four weeks. Then if that is the case then maybe they figure out their offense Higby gets more involved and gets better I'm not going to drop Higby there's no way especially because I was high on him specifically me in the offseason and he had that three touchdown game which was awesome and I was like happy you know of course because you love to see the guys that you root for or that you believe are going to do good do good makes you feel good about your process but so far that whole Rams offense is untrustable the only person on that offense I can actually like play every week and be like somewhat confident in is Robert Woods. So I would keep Higby, drop uh, Tanyan for Evan Ingram. Which rookie receiver, this is Rich Dynasty Island, which rookie receiver that is yet to produce do you think is most likely to produce down the stretch in redraft? So he's already counting Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, LaVisca Chenault, Darrell Mooney t higgins and chase claypool as receivers that have produced he's putting his mark of or like he's you know building his definition of have produced by eclipsing 150 yards which is fine you can build that definition however you want so taking out those receivers again jefferson lamb judy chenault mooney higgins claypool taking out those receivers who do i think is going to be or going to, going to produce in a redraft down the stretch the rest of the season. I have two names for you. One, Henry Ruggs. He is more well-rounded than anybody, well, not anybody, but he's more well-rounded than most people realize. He's not a deep threat. He is a well-rounded receiver that can be a threat deep, but he is not just a deep threat. He is not just Deshaun Jackson. He is Deshaun Jackson plus. He's also very tough. He can win contested balls. He grinds tough yards. He, he's not somebody that gets tackled just, like that, like Deshaun Jackson. He also obviously is a deep threat for days. Him and Derek Carr will click eventually. And he's back from injury, I believe, this week most likely. So he's somebody that I would really look towards, especially he's the first wide receiver off the board. He's going to get the targets. They're going to give him plenty of opportunities to produce. He's not going to need many opportunities to produce either. He can do a lot with a little. So I like Henry Ruggs a lot. The other name I would throw out, another guy who's been injured, Jalen Rager. He's expected right now back week seven versus the Giants. You look at that Philly receiving core and they are depleted. Djax is hurt, Goddard is hurt, Rager is hurt, Alshon is hurt, everyone is hurt, and Ertz seems to have lost a step. So when Rager does get back, whether Djax is back, Djax is. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets hurt again. Same thing with Alshon. If Alshon comes back, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets hurt again. Jalen Rager is the guy, he hurt his thumb. That's not something that is going to like linger through the season. I know he messed up his shoulder, but that's something that you can play through. He'll have shoulder surgery in the off season, so he'll be fine for this season. Jalen Rager is somebody I really like. I loved his talent. I comped him to Tyler Lockett, just a tougher version of Tyler Lockett because he's got the speed. He's got the hands. He's got the hops. His hops are sick. He has like a 40-inch vertical. He's he's a beast. Um, And Wentz is going to love him. And I also like Wentz more than I like Derek Carr. So Jalen Rager has a lot of similarities to Ruggs, except honestly, I think Rager might be the better pick. The reason I said Ruggs first is because he's back this week and Rager's not expected back to week seven. So Ruggs will probably have the better season. But I think down the stretch, which is specifically what you said, down the stretch when it's like getting close to the playoffs, the last few weeks of the season, I think Jalen Rager could be a beast. And that's why I've held him and just put him in my IR spot and held him even in my redraft leagues. And honestly, Rager's talent is not that far from Ruggs' talent. Golf Coast Pigskin hit me with a second one. I love this. This is my guy. He says, will zero running backers, and this is how we're going to finish the episode, will zero running backers prevail in 2020? So, both running backs and wide receivers have took mad injuries at the top of drafts. You have McCaffrey, you have Saquon Barkley, now Austin Eckler, you had Julio, you had Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, all both both positions have had so many people already missing time from injury. So honestly, that cancels out. You can't look at that. That cancels out completely. Now, We have to find the only other way to look at it is people that have been found late. So let's look at some running backs late that are doing good that maybe people who went zero running back could have gotten. James Robinson. How many people that went zero running back really draft James Robinson? I don't know because he was on a lot of waivers. He was on more than like 80% of waivers. He was like 20% owned week one. So honestly, he could have got picked up equally by either somebody that went heavy running back or somebody that went heavy receiver. So we don't even know if he benefited the people that won zero running back because he wasn't somebody that was really drafted. Kareem Hunt, that's somebody that could have definitely, definitely helped people that won zero running back, especially because of Nick Chubb's injury. Jarek McKinnon, he could have helped if he was drafted, but he was on most waivers. So we don't even know if the people who went zero running back got him. That's going to be a common theme with the names moving forward. And also Jarek McKinnon, very temporary. He's not going to be great once M- Mostert comes back. Ronald Jones, that's somebody that was drafted probably by people that won zero running back, even though I personally was super high on Ronald Jones as the guys that have been listening since the offseason know, and it's worked out well for us. Um, I was drafting him even though I always go running back heavy at the top. I'm never a zero running back guy. I'm always a zero receiver guy. Well, not necessarily. I don't like staple myself to a strategy, but usually I go running back heavy unless the value falls in a crazy way. But mainly I'm, you know, I guess you could say zero wide receiver. Um, and it also depends on how you define it. Like when you say zero running back, do you mean like, don't go running back the first three rounds or the first five rounds? I'm just going like first three or four, because it's kind of hard to not grab a running back in the first five rounds. And it's really idiotic in my opinion, um, which is something I've been very vocal about as well this off season. But Ronald Jones, um, he's one Mike Davis. He's another one from the waiver. And guess what? He was replacing Christian McCaffrey. So most people that have Mike Davis were, the people that had Christian McCaffrey, so those people were not zero running backers, so that didn't really help. Miles Gaskin, also a guy from the waiver. We don't know who picked him up. Many of the guys that I just named were off the waivers and could have been picked up equally by somebody that went running back heavy or somebody that went zero wide or went wide receiver heavy. Hence, you know, the name zero running back. Now let's look at wide receivers that are late. That went late that are doing good. Robbie Anderson, he was drafted. He was not on waiver wires. Robbie Anderson was drafted, and he's doing good. That's somebody that, if you went running back heavy, was somebody you could have took a shot at late. Tyler Boyd, my boy, my boy, Tyler Boyd. You guys know it. He's in my Twitter header. For a reason, I am the highest person you will ever meet from the offseason on Tyler Boyd, and it's looking good so far. Um, He was somebody that most people that went running back heavy, me and what I suggested all offseason, season drafted in like the sixth round or seventh round Tyler Boyd even some some league some leagues in the eighth round which is ridiculous CeeDee Lamb he was also drafted Justin Jefferson he was also drafted Alan Lazard was drafted in like half of leagues and LaVisca Chennault so LaVisca Chennault was on the waivers he was drafted in some he was like about the same ownership that you had with like a James Robinson and they're actually funny enough on the same team but other than You know, LaVisca Chenal, Lazard, Jefferson, Lamb, Boyd, Anderson, all those guys were drafted. So the people that went zero running back when we're taking wide receivers late, they had a lot of easy shots there. A lot of easy shots. Or not zero running back. I did it again. The people that went running back heavy had a lot of easy shots there in the end. So honestly, it kind of cancels out though, because you look at Robinson, Hunt, McKinnon, Ronald Jones, Miles Gaskin. There's good names on both sides of the coin. So it all goes back to the biggest point about running back and why i always point out running back go running back heavy it's positional scarcity or sorry why did i say scarcity positional scarcity that will always win out running backs are far more scarce so zero running back still hurt you more in my opinion than zero wide receiver because with all else equal with the the injuries being equal with the value being found at the end of drafts and at you know, in the middle of drafts equally on both wide receiver and running back, all of that stuff cancels out. It's a flush where the value was found and where the injuries were hit. So to me, it goes to positional scarcity. And here's a perfect example. I've said this on a couple podcasts, but just a reminder to you guys. If you look at the point differential every single year between the average of the top five running backs to the RB 24, that gap is usually double double the gap of the top five wide receivers and wide receiver 24 almost double that means the difference between the top running backs and RB 24 is double that of the top five wide receivers and wide receiver 24 what does that mean that means that running back is twice as valuable so that's why I still am always going to push to go running back at the top and if you get hit with injury It sucks. You can get hit with injury at wide receiver too. That has nothing to do with the strategy itself. At least, I mean, people like to argue that's part of it, but I don't really see it as part of it because wide receivers get hurt just as much as running backs. You can see it already happening this season. So that's what I got for you guys. That was the first episode of Deep Dive Unhinged. Also, with future episodes of Deep Dive Unhinged, I might bring on um, some guests. We might have some two-way I know crazy right it's always just me you guys are used to just hearing my voice so um you know I'll be able to bless you guys with somebody else's voice because I'm sure you're tired of hearing mine um so yeah I'll I'll be bringing some people on for future episodes of Deep Dive Unhinged this is basically kind of like you know when people say uncensored or uncut version this is like that's what this is for me it's you know the loosely planned speak off a whim you know, talk about what I want to talk about, answer some questions, bring on some guests. That's what Unhinged is going to be for me. And if you like the conversation, then I hope you look forward to the next ones. This is your host, or I am your host, Brandon Gabor. Thanks for tuning in to Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Good luck this week in fantasy. Hit me up with any of your questions. You can slide into my DMs on Instagram, Twitter. You guys know the deal. I have my starts and sits also up on the website if you just want to check that out that I talked about in yesterday's podcast. With all that said, Peace, guys. Have a good one. I'm your host, and I'm out.